How can I give myself the best chance for a successful campaign? What are my plans as we reach into 2021? And are there any new ways that I can approach setting up my games? Jay's gonna bring me back Give me a plus one to attack Oh, 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 I want to come back to the dice Whoa, oh, 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 I think I need some good advice I need a role-playing rescue, oh yeah I need a role-playing rescue, oh yeah, oh yeah Hello Rescuers, my name is Che Webster and welcome to Roleplay Rescue the podcast about rediscovering our lost role-playing hobby. 2021 has begun. While I know that the future doesn't exist, that it is simply a projection of our imagination forward and an attempt to predict what will be in some now that has not yet arrived, I also know that one of the most profoundly human qualities is, in fact, to try and plan for the future. The difficulty for me is in keeping to the limit of making a plan without allowing my mind to launch off into multiple possibilities ranging from the benign to the catastrophic. For worriers, the future is the scariest place, full of uncertainty, to which we are highly sensitive and also which we can bear in only the very lowest levels of tolerance. But it is a place in which we also try to impose control. No human can control the future because, as I said, the future doesn't exist. It is a construct of the mind, of imagination. That same imagination that allows us to travel to fantastic worlds, meet fantastic beings and become heroes. So, with that caveat in place, this episode is a journey into 2021 with the specific aim of approaching the question of how I might imagine my role-playing hobby to develop this year. It's a sketch of the possibilities, and I am going to refrain from allowing the worry to rise up and get in the way of the project. The goal, of course, is to give myself direction, to place myself upon the pathway towards better gaming, and to imagine how I would like it to be. I know that the reality, when now catches up to this imagined future, that in that reality, each moment will be both very different and far richer. This is Season 8, Episode 5, Campaigning in 2021. Although regular listeners will know how my gaming has been for the last few years, I'm going to unpack a little of my baggage from around 2014 until now. Just as the future isn't real, the past no longer exists either. It's gone and, in many ways... One of my primary problems has been my willingness to carry the past around with me like some kind of huge backpack of doom. I am learning to drop the items I no longer need, and to do that, sometimes it's valuable to rummage through and see what you no longer need. For the past five years, my hobby has revolved around the classic fantasy dungeon adventure. In fact, I've been aspiring towards a mega dungeon, creating in 2018 the Fire Citadel of the Dragon Kings, first conceived and pitched as a series of modules for the Mithras classic fantasy line, and in 2020, revisiting both that idea and my realm of Mistamir using the GURPS dungeon fantasy line. 
Dungeoneering was something I returned to in 2014 when Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition was launched. I ran games with gusto and enthusiasm on Friday nights here in my home near Nottingham in the UK. And by 2016, I was running games online using Fantasy Grounds and Details Dungeon Maps. I was building digitally using various tools sourced from drivethroughrpg.com. And the games were pretty good, if I am being honest. Dungeon exploration, intelligent defenders, and interesting treasures. My strongest memory of those years was one of the last projects. I took the sample dungeon map from the Advanced Dungeons & Dragons Dungeon Master's Guide, you know, the first one written by Gary Gygax, and I stocked it for 5th edition. But I was having difficulties even then. I was struggling with the core uncertainties that I have discussed in episodes 2 and 3 of this season. I was uncertain about the experience the players were having. That uncertainty was fuelled by the tacit belief that dungeons were, somehow, a deficient form of role-playing game. Although I would definitely bristle when I read Brian Jameson refer to the classic dungeon game as the, quote, technology of the 1970s and something to which we should never return, I also believed, and I think I still do, that my players will not approve of what I am running, nor how I run it. This fear was bound up with another, that the GM should not force the players to play their pre-designed adventure. What adventure is more firmly pre-designed than a dungeon based on an actual map? So why was I playing in dungeons? In simple terms, I was playing in dungeons because they were easy and safe to run. I could hide behind the idea that there was an inherent virtue in returning to the original game. Dungeons & Dragons in 1974 was primarily a game played within what today we would call a mega dungeon. But of course, this is a bit of a misnomer. The text of Dungeons & Dragons in 1974 included advice for the referee on the topic of wilderness play. Quote, The so-called wilderness really consists of unexplored land, cities and castles, not to mention the area immediately surrounding the castle, ruined or otherwise, which housed the dungeons. The referee must do several things in order to conduct wilderness adventure games. First, he must have a ground-level map of his dungeons, a map of the terrain immediately surrounding this, and finally, a map of a town or village closest to the dungeons, where adventurers will be most likely to base themselves. End quote. Certainly, in the early years of Dungeons & Dragons, this wilderness game evolved into what is commonly termed a hex crawl, an exploration of the surface fantasy realm, but my claim of returning to the original game was spurious at best. In truth, when I had designed the Realm of Mistermere for my Mithras Classic Fantasy games in 2016 through to 2018, I had initially run the game as a hex crawl. This led to me writing the Terror of Ettenmarsh for the design mechanism and rediscovering the wonder of dungeoneering in both that adventure and within the separate module, Moonspike Tower. Anyway, the reason why I pulled my horns in further was because I felt safer in the confines of a dungeon map. And there is nothing inherently wrong in that decision, by the way. I am not against the dungeon. In fact, I consider the dungeon the first type of campaign that any aspiring game master should probably seek to run. That's because it teaches many useful lessons. But for me, this was the beginning of the retreat into fearful limitations on the mistaken and largely subconscious belief that I could better control a dungeon game. Unfortunately, 
The desire for control in uncertain situations leads me towards repetition and limitation. I find comfort in familiar habits and in narrowing the parameters, but the downside is that I also quickly become bored. Piling on the fearful reaction I would have when I convinced myself that the players too were bored, for one of the classic thought distortions of the warrior is to believe that if I feel something is bad, then that situation must in fact be bad. This emotional thinking is a very damaging distortion of reality. Firstly, my evidence for player unhappiness was scant. Sometimes a player would leave, citing personal difficulties. Other times, players were simply bland in their feedback. That was good, or yeah, it's fun. If I was feeling particularly inadequate and doubtful, those kinds of responses would fuel my uncertainty to intolerable levels of fear, and I would bail on the game. Sometimes I made myself sick with fear, literally giving in to what I was sure were psychosomatic stomach bugs and common colds. And each time I returned, the dungeons were more rooted in the past. Like I said, I ended up running Gygax's example map from the first DMG. Nothing wrong with that for most people, but looking back for me, this was self-limiting behaviour. In November 2020, my world collapsed inward. I was sent home from work and told to see the doctor, and as regular listeners know, the diagnosis was generalised anxiety disorder and social anxiety. I am still in recovery, working to understand how my mind works, and that brings us up to January 2021. The plan is a simple one. That said, the plan has been evolving my mind for many months, even before I became consciously aware of my anxiety as a challenge that I need to overcome. Here's the short version. In 2021, I aim to run at least two campaigns. Each campaign will consist of a short series of sessions, probably about six sessions, in one specific campaign world. The first I imagine being a return to my mega dungeon, the Fire Citadel of the Dragon Kings, but with two key tweaks. The second campaign will be something very different. I'm going to visit a world I am currently calling Britannia 2043, a near future conspiracy horror realm in which the player characters are investigators for the crown into all manner of weirdness. Further to these two short campaigns, I aim to use the school holidays, the non-contact time that I enjoy as a British secondary school teacher, to plan and prepare those games. After each game, I aim to review my progress and evaluate honestly what I can do better next time. And then to add another campaign to the schedule. If you do the maths, running bi-weekly sessions on Saturday nights, I can run three such campaigns in 2021. I am refusing to decide on the third until I have at least delivered on the first, although I do already have at least three ideas. Here's a slightly longer explanation. I am motivated, as discussed in episode 3, by three major things, the only one of which that I can directly control being to start small. That's the reason for limiting my initial campaigns to short episodic arcs of six sessions. I thought about going to nine, but then decided, nope, start small. Six sessions is a good run. I am keen to return to the Mega Dungeon because I don't want to ditch the maps and notes that I have invested hours in creating. That said, I want to make two changes. 
Firstly, given that we are playing with GURPS Dungeon Fantasy, I want to remove the additional restrictions that I placed around the game to limit the power level of play, something I did to make myself feel safer. Instead, I will be open to trying Dungeon Fantasy as it was intended. 250 points characters that are roughly equivalent to 8th or 10th level classical D&D delvers. The second change is to return the dungeon to the map it comes from, Fire Island. This is a hex map that I designed, along with feedback from Rod Leary, the author of Mithras Classic Fantasy, back when the dungeon was going to be a module. Fire Island, in turn, sits within my classical fantasy realm of Mistamir, and I'm going to put the Mega Dungeon back into the world I tore it out of. Why? Because I want to run a traditional fantasy game, and I want to give the players the choice to explore the lands around the Fire Citadel. The game deserves a rich context. Finally, I'm keen to spread my creative wings again. I want to run a game in a different vein. A modern conspiracy horror has been talked about for years, ever since my most successful campaign back around 20 years ago playing Alternative Dark Matter. I want to combine that idea with my desire to run a near-future game inspired by the Deus Ex computer game and films like The Terminator and Aliens. The result? A dystopian Britain in the post-pandemic grip of corporations and cold-hearted elites. The players will work for a secret organisation that serves the British crown, yes, stolen from the Doctor Who universe, and work to uncover the secrets of... well, that would be telling now, wouldn't it? Here, I am drawing on the lessons I am learning from both Monty Cook and GURPS author Christopher R. Rice. Britannia 2043 is my idea to mash up cipher-inspired story-focused gaming with the mechanisms of GURPS. I am currently imagining this as using the GURPS Monster Hunters materials blended into my own dystopic world, but that part of the plan, where I choose the game engine months before I play, is perhaps the least solid element. I want to also work with my prospective players. If there is one big learning point for me, it is to include my own gaming wants into the design mix, alongside those of my players. In the past, I have been too focused on what the individual players were expressing interest in playing and trying to fit myself into their mould. In reality, I would not deliver and they would still seem unhappy, but, and this is crucial, I was never happy with what I was running because I was not running something I personally enjoyed. The last time I enjoyed a scenario I wrote was when I ran Moonspike Tower and the Terror of Ettenmarsh for my home group. They did not seem impressed, really, but I enjoyed the game. I don't think there was enough combat for one guy and there really was rather too much for another, but I felt it was an interesting puzzle. Intrigue, action, interaction and exploration all mixed together. And that's what I want to offer, writing situations that include intrigue, action, interaction and exploration all mixed together. I also want to ask the prospective players to input into the design process before I really dive in too far. Thus, I will be seeking players for the campaign all through the months ahead. Assuming the Mega Dungeon will both return to play and be running up until my birthday, April the 18th, then I can imagine that Britannia 2043 will be on the cards from May through to the end of July 2021. If you're interested in taking part, now is the time to look me up and get one of the four or five seats at the table. And that's the basic plan. I do have one other game I definitely plan to run in 2021, but that's another issue. 
One of the last projects of 2020 was beginning to play the Chaosium's Rune Quest with a new group on Sundays. In terms of my forward planning, I am determined to run this campaign as planned. In case you don't know, I'm running Andrew Logan Montgomery's Six Seasons in Sarta, a series of six scenarios set in Glorantha and featuring a group of adolescent Sartarites who are finding their feet in the world. I have four fabulous and very patient players who I am unwilling to let down. The game, it should take us in the bi-weekly format, playing on alternate Sunday afternoons, at least until July, and I'm keen to see it through. Why? Because RuneQuest was my first role-playing game, and Glorantha has always fascinated me. It was Shandy Andy, one of my players, who encouraged me to just do it and take the plunge. This is about learning to run someone else's fantasy world. It's also about learning to run someone else's scenarios. I am notoriously afraid of getting things wrong, and I plan to wholeheartedly lean into accepting that fear. One of the threads of my therapy is to sit with the uncertainty of not knowing all the things I want to know, and then to take action anyway. RuneQuest is an excellent opportunity to relearn how to run pre-written adventures in pre-written worlds and see what I can take from the experience. To be honest, it's already bearing fruit, but that's another episode. And before I forget, what about the cipher system? Honestly, I don't know what to do there. I enjoy the rule set and I think it has huge potential for any game I wanted to run. If a game would benefit from a cocktail of seeking to create a cool story, running it with very capable, if not cinematic, characters, and playing in a loose and descriptive style, then Cypher is a good fit. As I commented in episode 4, Cypher has given me a great deal of enjoyment when I've played it. It would perhaps do me good to consider running my Britannia 2043 game in cipher mode, but as I commented earlier, a big part of me simply wants to stretch my wings with GURPS at this time. That said, I have two ideas for extending my near future world into a far future gaming universe, and I feel that the cipher system is a good engine for such an endeavour. The bottom line with cipher, I am uncertain. And I'm just going to sit with that uncertainty. If you're a player at my table, perhaps we can talk it over and unpack it all a bit more. But for now, I'm going to keep things small and simple. And I'm going to ask you to remember with me, the plan is likely to change. I hope you are enjoying this episode of Roleplay Rescue. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast. You can also find the Roleplay Rescue page on Facebook, join our RPR group on MeWe, or follow me at UbiquitousRat on Twitter. If you want to support the show, you can join the Roleplay Rescue Patreon and gain access to weekly Dungeon Masters Diary episodes and early access to every episode of the main show. Patrons also gain access to the Roleplay Rescue Discord. You can find the Patreon page at patreon.com slash rpgrescue. All the links mentioned here are in the show notes. Thanks in advance for your support. And so that is the plan. I'm placing new boundaries around my imagination, but they are pegged further out than the dungeon walls. 
I am returning first to a familiar Mega Dungeon game, but recovering the world wherein it exists, the world of Mistamir, and breathing new life into an existing dungeon. In the past, I would throw away the stuff I'd done and I'd begin again, but this time I'm co-opting the players, modifying the parameters and delving back in for a second taste of the underworld. Along the way, I'm going to follow through on a commitment already made to explore the fantasy world of Glorantha through the entire sequence of six seasons in Sarta. This is about both indulging my curiosity in the world and joining forces with the players to tell some interesting tales of aspiring heroes in the mythic realm of Glorantha. I am heartened by the journey so far. Finally, I'm working towards my own first near-future conspiracy horror game and exploring the possibilities in GURPS outside of dungeon fantasy. This is about doing my own thing in cooperation with any interested players. In return for a limited commitment, just 12 weeks, 6 bi-weekly sessions and an active role in playing an interesting character, I will offer a visit to a dark and intriguing future. This is about starting bold, but also starting small. Who knows if I'll pull this off? Obviously, none of us can be sure. No doubt there will be setbacks and challenges along the way. But this is a general plan for 2021. I am feeling hopeful and yet realistic. Perhaps I can run three games in this year ahead and make each of them both better than the last and delivered from the heart. Game on. And now it's time for some call-ins. Hey Trey, it's Jason. Um, so I just wanted to call in about your motivation uh, episode. Uh, I just wanted to let you know that I really love your show. I think you got some great ideas. Uh, I think it's uh, great to hear your uh, your thoughts on how you're working through your anxiety issues. Um, and uh, I super enjoyed your cipher system. Ah, dagnamit there. Jason Weeb being cut off uh, halfway through a message, but it sounds a bit... Sorry about that, Weeb. Um, you super enjoyed my cipher. I'm hoping it was the game that I ran for you. That's what I'm really hoping for. That's what I think it might have been. But it could, of course, be in the episode on ciphering. But I doubt it, because you called in before that episode was released. So, yeah, thanks so much for the feedback. It is very, very, very helpful. And obviously off the back of an episode about what motivates me and one of the things that being motivating me being positive feedback. Thank you, dude. Really appreciate that. And uh, you weren't the only one to call in. Hey, Trey, Jason here. Just listened to Roleplay Rescue 803. And really like the show. want to say that the things you do that I appreciate on your shows are you call your sources out and you say what's motivating you. Like the two books you referenced in episode 803. I don't necessarily go run out and buy everything you talk about, but if something piques my interest, I will go check it out. So I appreciate your pointing out those specific things that you find interesting and giving us those details so we can go research that on our own. Talk to you soon. Hey, it's my buddy Jason Connolly there. Thanks, Jason, for calling in, and thank you for talking about you know, how I do tend to try and list the sources of things. That's really, really helpful to me to know. Thank you so much for giving that feedback. There is just one more call, and it's Brian. Aloha, Che. It's Brian calling in. I just listened to uh, 8.03 on the uh, Patreon feed, and uh, I I appreciate your perspective on that because I find a lot of the same uh, – I guess I'd say the same motivators or demotivators in trying to get back into gaming. Uh, 
I'm actually calling again from uh, quarantine in Singapore this time uh, <laughs> before some work. Uh, but part of the uh, part of the uh, the motivation for me from your podcast, but also sitting here, is uh, to get up during some early hours and participate in the OrcaCon online uh, this weekend to play a little Pathfinder. But I'm definitely with you. The volume of uh, of of game material, as great as it is, sometimes can be so overwhelming for me getting back into it and uh, gives me a little bit of fear and uh, a fear of failure to prep. So uh, hang in there and talk later. Thank you, Brian. Great to hear from you again and uh, on your travels around different places quarantining. It must be kind of difficult for you, dude. And um, I just great that you spend the time listening to my show. And thank you so much for calling in again. It's great to hear from you. I hope that you are well as you hear this one. And yeah, once again, thank you for the positive feedback about Three Motivators. I really do find that those things uh, work best for me. Um, but I also just wanted to say thank you for the feedback about, you know, generally about encouraging you back to the table because I think that's what this show is all about. And yeah, if anything I'm saying is helping you reduce your fear, then I guess that's a win. Um, and I'm going to take that. So thanks so much for your call. Be well. Game on. And that's another episode wrapped. I hope you enjoyed it. If you ever want to get in touch, ask questions or share your point of view, you can leave me a voice message. Just download the Anchor mobile app, search for Roleplay Rescue and tap on the messages button to leave yours. Or alternatively, you can record your thoughts on your phone and email the sound file to me directly via hello at rpgrescue.com. Thanks to the Roleplay Rescue patrons who support the show through patreon.com slash rpgrescue. Thank you, all of you, for all of your generosity and encouragement. It means the world to me. Thanks also to you, the listener, for taking some time out of your day to listen to Roleplay Rescue. I hope it was worth something to someone out there somewhere. My name is Che Webster. This is Roleplay Rescue. I'll see you again next time. Game on. Game on.